Rashi, uh, the learning today is going to be in the schus of um, the Shloshim of Shmuel Saikov's mother, Reichel Bas of Shmuel, Allah Shalom, and, and the Nisham should have an Ali in the schus of the Torah of, of the Ish Kaidish. <coughs> she should be Mishisham and Melissa Aisha for the entire Mishpacha, and this Mishpacha should only know from Simchas Matavarola. Let's let's just uh, start again from the second line on, on page Yudalad. <coughs> the Rebbe's talking about, so we ended with last week, the Rebbe's talking about, uh, about how unfair and how dangerous it is to assume that the that the deficiencies of the of the new generation are completely the fault of the young people, <coughs> and how the parents and the mechanchim, the rabbis, have to accept blame and to deal with the uh, with the issues. And everything the rabbi was saying back then is certainly. Applicable now, even more so. So the Rebbe writes here, even though it's true that there are problems, there are unique problems with the young generation, which we're going to talk more about today. It's true. And that there is resistance; they don't want to listen. Nevertheless, if these type, if, if, if there were young people, we would imagine that, that young people of this nature had been in earlier generations. In other words, have there been, and certainly there were in the earlier generations, <coughs> much fewer, there were rebellious children, there were children that had specific unique difficulties. Had, had, these, children, had these children lived in earlier times, don't you think that, that the, their parents that in those days would have had the capacity <coughs> to raise them to be to raise them to be good Jews, to raise them to be tzaddikim, to be elochim, or simple or good simple Jews, despite those difficulties. There are always problems with children. Not to such, not to the degree that the Rebbe was talking about in, in modern times, where there have always been difficulties. But what he's saying is that that in earlier days there would have been that in earlier days, despite those difficulties, they would have turned out to be, to a large extent, Yehudim Shutim and Amarimbo. They would have turned out to be either Tzadikim or good Jews. When they shall the same Harem Echol Dargolim because their parents and grandparents and the Mechanchim, the Rebbeim, were more God-fearing, came Gam in this respect as well. As far as educating the young generation was concerned, they were like burning torches on fire. 
And don't you think that our grandparents and great grandparents would have not just tried to shift the blame on the children, on the young generation, and to try to make excuses for themselves? Many times I have, you know, there will be parents who have complaints about the children and about look what's wrong with the Yiddish kite and how come they're not doing this, how come they're not doing that. And it astounds me how the parents in that particular situation, of course, it's not always the case. Sometimes the parents are doing the best they can and there's something wrong with the child, of course. But more often I find that, that parents, are, parents are, are extremely distraught about what's wrong with their children, how they're Yiddish kite, they don't take the Yiddish kite seriously. And... Um, <coughs> I, I can't imagine why they think they would. I don't even know why they would think their kids would take it seriously. They, they haven't until now, so why would they think that their kids would? But now, of course, they're upset because they don't want the kid to... They, they wanted the kid to be as just, just as unserious as them. They didn't expect it to get worse. They didn't know that it was going to get worse, and now it's, and now it's getting worse. And so, so many of many of the parents of this generation that went to very that went to yeshivas where learning was not emphasized, or or Yerushalayim was not strongly emphasized. We went to those places when we were children, and we came out, at least in our opinion, to be decent Jews. So we think that that's going to work the same for the new generation, and then we can't understand why not. And we say, well, you know. Your son, your son is uh, 11 years old. He has a little girlfriend. Do you know that? Oh, it's, it's you know, it's harmless. I also had a girlfriend when I was when I was in school. This is this is the silliness. This is the narish kite. This is the this is what's creating a hopelessness among the young people. It's not. It's it's largely the fault of the parents, not the children. So do you think that our parents and grandparents would have had the same way of dealing with problems? They wouldn't have dealt with the problems the way that we deal with them in a cold way, or it's like it's nothing. It's silly. That's what the rabbis expect. They were like fire. <clears throat> the parents, the grandparents, the older generations, it's true they had difficulties. But they were kalapideyesh, misbar. Kalapideyesh. Just to find excuses, sorry, to say, what do you want? The young generation, they're involved in all kinds of terrible things. It's their fault. What do you think? The whole Jewish people has become heretics, become apikarsim? Well, something has changed in such a way that, that, that all of a sudden, <coughs> with all the crazy things that are going on in society, that, that it's only the fault of the children? Barash, are you coming? Barash, are you coming? In the old days, if there was a child that was not, that was not, God forbid, leaning in the right direction, Barash, there was, a, there was an unbelievable commotion and tumult. They would, they would give every single ounce of energy. They would, they would be and to save the child. But not just to the last second. Just as to the last second when the child is going to, you know, God forbid, stop putting on film or be Mechal Shabbos or so many times, you know, someone will call me, runs away with a, with a non-Jew or something like that. Not, not the last second. But when, <clears throat> to be most nefesh in the beginning. L'chan chamader Hashem be'etzis b'amaslo'ashonos to find all different ways, different etzis to, to educate them, to bring them back. To keep them on the right path. Therefore, the Rebbe says, So we are the we. The Rebbe says, are the generation, the parents, 
And we are the, the ones who are responsible to raise them and to educate the young generation. Our responsibility is to give over to the children the holiness of Hashem and His Torah and the importance of serving Hashem. How could we possibly say, with Menuchas and Nefesh, how could we possibly say, with Menuchas and Nefesh, meaning with complacency, that our hands have not spilled the, this blood. Of these Jewish neshamas, of these holy neshamas. How can we? How can we just free ourselves of all guilt and say that it's not our fault? It's always the yeshiva's fault. It's always the rebbe's fault. It's always television or this or that, or somebody else is to blame, or society, or what's going on. Look what's going on, and so on. The friends. It's always the friends. The friends. <coughs> You'll have, you'll have the same, there, there are the, all of those dangers are out there for all of the kids. It's there for all the kids. So how come some of the kids are managing others or not? Of course, there are sometimes there are internal problems. I'm not, of course, there are emotional problems or internal problems. That's something else. But I'm saying as far as the external, if everything else is the same, the external pressures of nowadays or the influences of nowadays. So how come some children are, 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 are thriving religiously despite those influences and others, and others are not? So just to say, well, look what's going on. Look what's going on. Well, then how come your kid is more, how come your kid is more vulnerable to those influences? Why is your child more vulnerable to those influences? So if you, you understand, if you raise a child watching all kinds of tumor and all kinds of stupidity on television and, and looking at the internet whenever he or she wants, and then you're wondering why is it that, that I only, I, I never allowed it in real life, I only meant it to be on a computer. I only meant it to be on a screen. I never thought, I never dreamt that he was actually talking to a live person on a chat site and he's arranging, you know how many times I've gotten calls like this, that he's arranged to meet this young lady in the city? I never dreamt of that. Well, you're, you're a complete and total irresponsible fool. You were the one that bought the, the internet. You were the one that hooked it up. You were the one that bought the television and turned it on. And as far as the influence of friends are concerned, how come there are other Jews that, that are not under those influences? How come there are other kids that don't seem to fall under the influence of those kids? Maybe there's a reason why your kid is not taken by that. And why your kid is not attracted to the lowest element in the yeshiva. Another kasha. Who told you that you were supposed to send your... Did you look... What, we, what was your priority in making a decision about where you sent your kid to yeshiva? How are we going to answer that one around the 20? What was the prayer? No, so how did you make a decision to send the kid to yeshiva? What was your decision? That my kid should turn out to be the most, to be the greatest Yerush and the biggest Tamachacham? Where you see the yeshivas that they have 40 minutes of learning of Gemara a day, 40 minutes a half hour. English, Hebrew, English, Hebrew, English, Hebrew. And then you expect it to be Yerush But you, I mean, what were you thinking? And so now you're going to blame the kid? Are you going to blame the friends? Are you going to blame the school? Most of these schools, even the, even the most modern schools, they have a very, very fine rebellion. They take, thank God, very nice people, very harsh of people. Good rebellion. But you put your kid into a place like that. And it was your decision. It wasn't your child's decision. You could have put your child into a yeshiva where there, was, where there would be hours and hours of learning, where there would be a Rashamayim, <coughs> there would be an atmosphere of Rashamayim, where he wouldn't be sitting as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old talking to other children about every stupidity on the television and every schmutz that they've been thinking about and, and, and dreaming about. And you made that decision. And then you're going to come after 120 you're have, and you're going to say, I don't know what happened to my kid. It's not because the influences of society. What do you mean? What do you mean the influence society? You paid you paid ten hundred thousand dollars tuition so that the child should be influenced by that. And it was your decision. 
it was a decision, and, and nothing in the world is going to be able to change that mitzvah that you made that decision of where to send the child, and your priority was not that the child should be an elechiyid. You thought that you would turn out to be a front person because you didn't. You went to that kind of a school. You, you're an amaritz, and you're from. So why can't your kid be a from amaritz? You can barely read. You can't even read Rashi or make a landing in the Gemara. So you figure that they're going to be right, and that somehow we'll manage, you know, and then they'll send him to Israel, we'll come back, we'll put, him through, put him through the system, we'll go for a year or two, and you'll be cracking the whole time. I don't know why he used to stay so much, you know, because now I'm afraid, he, even though he knows more than me, he could, he could actually read Rashi, and you know, that's uncomfortable. But this is, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking straight. You understand that, uh, that I'm not really even exaggerating. This is, really, this is the, the picture of what's going on. <coughs> and then, and, but then if the, if the kid goes down a level in Yiddishkeit, ooh, then everybody's to blame. The whole world is to blame. There's no one, there's no one, uh, there's no one else to blame. So that's the way he's saying this. The first, the beginning of Chinuch is to take responsibility. And what he's saying is that there were difficult, there were difficult children a hundred years ago and a thousand years ago. But the parents and the grandparents and the Mechanchim were like fiery torches. They were on fire with Yiddishkeit. And they took responsibility. They took responsibility. And the Yiddishkeit meant everything in the world to them. Not just whether my kid marries a Jew or doesn't marry a Jew, God forbid. Whether my kid is sitting and learning. Whether my child's growing up to be Yerash Shemayim. To be truly God-fearing. So, so the Rebbe is saying is, Man Noimar, Lusnei what are we going to say before Hashem? What are we going, how are we going to justify ourselves before HaKadosh Baruch and this young generation, Son Mariso, Hashem's precious flock, who Hashem has given to us, is our Achrayas, which I spoke a lot about when we learned that conscious a few summers ago on parenting. That Hashem has given to us, it's our Shlichas, as Hashem sent to you and I, and God's help to, to each and every one of us, has sent Nishamas, Kedoshos, and Tahoras. Has sent purely and whole, pure and holy Jewish souls. Do you think that the, you think that the Nishama Be'etzim does not want to learn Torah? That the Nishama doesn't want to keep mitzvahs? That's all that that child wants in the world, is to be a good Jew. And Hashem has entrusted us with those Nishamas. And Hashem, and Hashem entrusted us with the responsibility to raise them in that, not just to raise them that they should be Yodse, that they should end up being Orthodox, but Hashem entrusted us that we should raise them to be truly, truly God-fearing Jews. And Mr. Giyidin, Erlich God-fearing Jews. Hashem Imaran Yishon, Hashem from His from his place, from his exalted place, is roaring, is screaming. Oman Kodshi Yitain Kolon Hashem is going to is going to cry out. Bonai Heichan Heim. Just just those words. Hashem is screaming. Where are my children? My children. Where are my children? I sent them into the world as pure neshamas. Now where are they now? Where are they now? They're, with, they're sitting, sitting with a girlfriend in a bagel shop in Central Avenue for three hours having a schmooze. Bona heichan heim, and it's okay because they have a little yarmulke on the head. Bona heichan heim. Where are my children? 
What's with my children? Bonai Ruchumai, my beloved children. Bnei Avim Yitzchak Yaakov, the children of Avim Yitzchak Yaakov, Heichan Hey. That would be a good thing to hang up on the walls in the refrigerator. Bonai Heichan Hey, where are my children? Now, if we truly, really, if we really, really are serious, we want, we want to return to Hashem. and to correct what we've, what we, the mistakes that we've made. The first thing is to recognize, to acknowledge our share in the in the blame, in the fault. Even though it's true that there are certain problems, certain injuries in the new generation and the young generations that did not exist in kids, which we're going to talk about in a second. You know, there are there are there are new problems in the in the in the young people as they're growing up nowadays that they didn't have. It's more difficult nowadays in many respects. And that's true. But he says, but Anu. Anu, next page. Loma is Nachnoso. That's, that doesn't give us a reason or excuse to have just ignored them. How have, how have we just ignored and not tried to investigate and to understand the spiritual, the spiritual sickness, the spiritual illness while they're still, while they're, while, while they're still young? When we had the chance to work with them, when they were little. When we still had the ability, and we still had the, the, the time to heal them, to deal with it. And in the early years, we could have, we could have, we, we, we could have directed them in any way that we wanted. It's true that it's true that nowadays it's urgent that 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 this kind of take place mamish in the very very beginning because nowadays you, nowadays you'll talk to uh, you'll talk to children that are, that are 10 11 12 years old and it's like a child in the old days that was 20 21 22 in terms of not not in terms of maturity they're less mature now but in terms of a certain kind of a resistance to authority which everybody's going to talk about in a minute which the which <coughs> which is very, very different nowadays than it was. So you have to really, really, even more so than the Rebbe was talking, nowadays it's, it's urgent that from the very beginning that one, that one directs and guides and molds and works and understands the children and so on. Whereas in the old days it was, it was more of a relaxed situation. You could take more time. Nowadays there's, nowadays there's much less time. Ha'im yizbarech ha'av b'libo ha'apetropos ha'yelad lemar is it, can, is it possible for a father to say, or for a parent, or for anybody responsible for that child, or a rebbe, whatever, to say, to, to feel good inside of himself, and to simply say, I had nothing to do with that child's problems. It's not my, it's not my fault at all. How could you say that if the, at the beginning it was just a tiny little, it was just a tiny little, Injury. It's true that the kids are different nowadays, but it was a tiny little thing that could have been that could have been healed. So how come it's not healed? The It's because of it's because of our own laziness and our own negligence that this has grown. That this that this sickness that this 
which what began as a tiny little thing has, has spread and now all of the limbs of the child have become have become ruined, have become rotten let's not blame just the children the young people what can you do? kids what can you do? You know, kids look at them, look what's going on boy we weren't like that, look how they are nowadays look how they talk, look how they act, we weren't like that and then you figure, that's it I was you, I'd say you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with me, it's uh, the kids there's uh, big problems nowadays with the kids we have to feel a pain and a deep worry in our hearts over this negligence. Then we can begin, if we're honest with ourselves, then we can begin to search for an Eitzah. What can we do? How can we fix the situation? I was talking, I was talking um, last year when I was in Yushan to, to, to a very great Sadiq, very great Makubal. And he was telling me how he has all day long Americans coming. Americans come to see him uh, with names of, of children, this problem, that problem. And it's happening, he says, in there to too. It's, it's happening there slowly. It's catching up with America. But he said that it's... It, it, he said that he's living in Yerushalayim for 70 years. And he said, and he's had all the years, he's dealt with all different types of people. He said, but now it's a Magaifa, it's such a plague that he said that all day long, this is, this is, this is what the people, this is what have coming, especially from America, <clears throat> with the children, what the children are doing, what's going on with the children. And he, and he, he said, and, and they think that, they think that they're going to, that they're going to come to me and I'm going to say a couple of words and, they're going to, and they think they're going to slip me $20 right and, uh, and, then, uh, and then the kid's going to be okay and he said <coughs> he said it's not he said it's not it's not working it's not that simple it's not that simple not that so it's not that simple here to go and to, to give to some Sadi a couple of dollars and say daven for my kid that can't replace that's oh, that's nice to go to Sadiqim I believe in that but that's but that's not going to replace you know 17, 18, 19 years of, of spiritual neglect not neglect these are nice people they, they love their children they give them lifts all the time they buy them the nicest clothing they watch them at the hockey games the baseball games they go to every single thing they, they're there with the sitter party and the chumash party they're nice parents these are lovely people they're always telling the babysitter to take, to, to take good care of the children. They're very nice people. But as far as raising them to be Elohim, to be God-fearing Jews, so you think you're going to go and give a couple of dollars to a rabbi, and then that's just showing this. That's it. You're able to fix Even if you give a hundred dollars. Right? Even if you build them a building for his yeshiva. That's not going to replace the, all the years of spiritual neglect. Of not giving over Yiddishkeit, not giving a Shabbos, a Shabbos table. What's a Shabbos table? That the children come, I was talking about this Wednesday night in Flappish. That the children come into a Shabbos, and the Shabbos are waiting, Mamish. From the time that they're little, they're waiting for a Shabbos to be inspired. They're waiting to feel, to hear tired at the table, and the Gunam and Zemiris, and to, and to do a week with the, with the children. 
not to come to a table to see parents, God forbid, half asleep and talking about all kinds of marriage kind. The, the neshamas are waiting for them. And, the, and you can't just you can't just pay some tzaddik, you know, after all the years of, uh, of ignoring that. You can't pay some child. How are you going to make up for all the years, for all the terror that a child didn't learn? All the terror that a child didn't learn. To make a cheshben ha-nefesh. I see nowadays... You see nowadays kids that have been to yeshiva, that they're in yeshiva, they're in 11th, 12th grade, they can't, they can't read a sentence in a cipher. They can't, I'm not talking about Rav Kok, I shouldn't point to, okay, that, that, that's different. I'm saying top up, top up, they can't, they can't read a cipher. Hey, talk to the kids. Get to get, take a, take a Yerushalmi kid, take a, take a little Yerushalmi, I see, say, oh, it's not fair, you know, Zebu. Let me ask something. Do you think do you think that the you think that the Sabbath Rebbe grew up in Yerushalayim? You know Hebrew. And you think our grandfather our grandfathers, how do you explain that our grandfathers and great grandfathers? How come they were able to read Svar? To a large extent, they were able to read Svar. But they, they didn't they didn't grow up in Tel Aviv or Ramad Gan. Not only that, they didn't even give them Hebrew classes in Yeshiva. You think that with all the Hebrew with all the Hebrew, they're so worried that their teachers have to, if you don't teach in Hebrew, you're already out of the school. You can't, you have to get another job. Now, but they take all these yeshiva guys that, 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 that love, it could be the guys that big time of and knows how to teach, but if he doesn't know how to say it in Hebrew, this all, this, this also, I, I never, I mean, if I would talk about this, it's also Hanarish guy. <coughs> Why, this way they're going to learn, this way, that has nothing to do with Torah. What do you mean, all the years they taught, in, in earlier years they taught in Hebrew? So how come they were able to learn? Without the Hebrew, isn't it amazing? It's a parallel, no? Make a cheshven. How come nowadays you'll take a kid that all from the time he's in, in, in kindergarten, if any teacher spoke to him in Hebrew, the teacher would get fired. In English, the teacher would get fired. Why? Ostensibly, so the kid should understand. And you sit down with any of them, 90% of them, you sit down with a safer that can't make heads or tails out of it. And this is after hundreds of hours of, of, of Hifil, Hufal, Hufal, Paul, Piyopul, and telling them like this, and then all the, and, and uh, Dani Misachai Kimruti, <laughs> and the teacher has to come in, the teacher who doesn't speak, who doesn't speak Hebrew has to come in, and, uh, and all of that, to kvetch out some sentences in Hebrew, and so you can understand the kids, and then you learn with them, I'm and it's not his fault. He can't run. He can't learn. So what do you think? Our grandfathers and great grandfathers, they had, they had like Dani and Ruti? And my father, the, the, the Zayt, is they able to pick up a Zayt? To plow through Swarm, to understand, to go through Gemara's and Rashi's and Taisus, and, and to understand Rishonim, and to learn, and to learn Shulchanach and Poskin. Why is that? You think with all the Hebrew instruction that you think... Now I'm not saying, don't, don't get me wrong, I believe very much that it's an, an important thing. That the child, I, and, I, and I'm not saying that I don't believe that, that the conversation should be in Lashon HaKadosh. I'm not saying I don't believe in that. But how come that's not doing it? That alone is not doing it. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. Then there are issues that I have with that. So obviously, if a person, if you have an American a teacher who's American, and he's more comfortable, and he can give over his neshama in his own language in English, instead of trying to break his teeth and being afraid he's going to get caught uh, talking in, in, in English. So then, what did you gain if the person can't really communicate in, 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 in Russia? He can't communicate in Hebrew. He can't give over his soul. You know how it is. Even if you're good in Hebrew, if you're an American, you can't give over your neshama like that. <laughs> you can't give over your neshama. Okay, there are other issues I have, and I know that there maybe it's controversial and sounds crazy, but let's say that's good. Let's say it's good that they're, that they're teaching them in, in, in Hebrew. That, that's good. 
I don't believe for a minute that, so that most of it, that where it's coming from that it has to do with learning Matara. That's not why they're doing that. Learning Matara, the same places that they insist on Hebrew have 40 minutes of Gemara and Jagger. How do you explain that? That doesn't have to do with Torah. It has to do with something else, which uh, there's no point in going into. I think everybody understands. It has to do with something different. But in terms of Yash Shemaim, it was Yash Shemaim. But they weren't God-fearing Jews that they were able to learn in Yiddish or able to learn in English. And to understand the Swarm, they understand the Swarm better than the new generation, that they're being, that they, that they're in Hebrew for six hours a day. The teachers are not allowed to talk in, in any other languages except Hebrew. So how come the kids can't learn the Swarm? I mean, did, does anybody ever wonder, am I the only person that wonders about that? How come they can't learn? Ruba the Ruba, they can't learn. Remember, they go to for two, three years, then they struggle with jastros and dictionaries, it's Rachmanis, looking up every word. So yes, I don't get it. That your parents are paying thousands and thousands of dollars of tuition so that every single teacher would talk to you in Hebrew. And you're sitting there with a million dictionaries, you can't make out a sentence in the Mishnah how do you explain that? How could that be? Such a molasses. Because the talkless of teaching Hebrew is not that they should become bigger Jews. If that would be it, beautiful. Beautiful. But that's not it. Because if a teacher is able to give over better in English, then he should be, spe- he should be speaking in English. And that's how he gives us an Hashem over. There's something else that's wrong. And, and we're just ignoring these things. And then you blame the teachers, you blame the school, you blame and you and you and you blame your kid. And then the, and the kid and the kid turns around after being yeshiva his whole life, and he, he doesn't understand. How come he can't learn? How come he can't learn? <clears throat> so he says that at least one should begin by accepting responsibility and feeling the pain. These are decisions that have been made for the children. For the children. The parents, the older generation has made these decisions for the children. But it's an interesting thing. In these places, if for some reason something doesn't work out with the parade and you're not smart and you, can, you don't want your kid to go, you're like an apicurus. Not Hashanah Rabba, not Shemiyat Saris, not Hanukkah, not Purim. <clears throat> doesn't have to learn, doesn't have to know anything. I'm not saying you shouldn't hold to your matzmut. Let's say you like your matzmut, because you're that's, your, that's how you feel. You feel strong about your matzmut. You like to say how you like it. Who's a date? Do what they do in, in, in the Americas of Cook. In Gush Etzin, in Karen Biyavin, in Shalavim. Uh, no problem with that. They have a political union, that they, whatever it is, a religious union, that they believe and they want to say, But how come the yeshivas here are not producing the kind of Jews that are being produced in Kambi and Gush Etzion, and in most of the Merkaz Rav Kook? When you pass by Merkaz Rav Kook, when you're walking in Kiyad Moshe on a Friday night, two blocks away from Merkaz Rav Kook, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure, the sidewalk is vibrating from the Zemiris of the boys in yeshiva. And here it's vibrating from the sounds of their tape recorders, their CD, two blocks away. Why is that? They're also saying, oh, I'm not smart. <coughs> no. That's what you like, Gesundheit. <coughs> but where's the rest of Yiddishkeit? Where's the rest of Yiddishkeit? The rest of Yiddishkeit. <coughs> In the schools, the, the, the importance of those things that, that have not been here for thousands of years. And, the, and what's the importance of a black Gemara? You could have a kid, if that, that kid can't make heads or tails, he wouldn't even know which way to hold the Gemara. 
and, he, and, he, and he be, he'll be fine, and he'll be, he'll be respected, and he can graduate with honors. But if he doesn't march, or something like that. So this is all. This is this is this is the the generation that's being raised without Yerushalayim, without Torah. So the Rebbe says, we're not taking responsibility. We're not taking responsibility. We have to dive into Hashem, he says. That Hashem should show us His way. The true way of Yiddishkeit. Hashem should take away the stone hearts. Should help the stone hearts of the young people be removed. We should all be able together to serve Him in truth and with our whole heart. That Hashem should take pride in us. That we should be able to say to Hashem, That we should be able to say when we're 120 to Hashem, Look at this child that I brought to you. Look, look what a child that I've given you, Hashem. Look what Nachas I'm giving you. Instead of what we said before, that Hashem is screaming, where are my children? That we should be able to, as parents, to say, look at the children that I've brought to you. Look at the children that I, look at my child, look at the child that I've given to you. Because that's why Hashem has given us children. That's why Hashem has given us. Why has Hashem given us these neshamas? That we should be able to take pride to say, Baha'i brothers, Chazi Baha'i brothers, Look at the child that I've brought to you. Could you imagine? Could you imagine is this tape? This what I'm talking about? We get into the wrong hands, and it definitely will. Could you imagine? Just from the way that those people, they should all live to 120 in good health. How they're going to react to this and to twist it? I'm, just, I'm really thinking how the react. What kind of a reaction would be to it? And the reaction itself is nothing to your mind because I'm not saying anything that's that's complicated or. or and I'd be happy to have um, you know, an open debate with any of the Hebra, any of these people. But this is the this is the Mitzvahs. This is the reality. This is what we're living in. This is we have to we have to proceed. We have to move ahead, not with guesswork, not with guesses or uh, presumptions. We have to move ahead with strong principles and facts. We have to understand what is talking the difference between the old generation and the new generation. What's going on? Why is it that in early generations that a little bit of chinuch was enough? A little bit of chinuch. He didn't have to. It was, what do you think that you think that our great grandfathers? Do you think that they all had the kindness and efforts and the time to sit with the kid and to learn with each kid and to give all you know individualized attention and to and, and quality time and to take on trips? Are you kidding? They barely made it to the door. They would drop on the floor before they got to the, before they got home. They were so tired. They were working so many hours. So what was there? So what did they have time? So it's like everybody's telling you now you have to spend more time with the kid now. I didn't see my father too much when I was growing up. He 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 left, uh, you know, whatever it was before he got up and he got home late. And 
So how come it was possible that in the early generations a little bit of chinuch was enough? Mitzad, the hashpah of the parents. Why was that? Talmidei kol melamed ubnei kolav. He says the students of every teacher and the children of the parents. Rubem kekul mayod Hashem. Of course there were exceptions, but Rubem, the vast majority were, were turned out to be religious Jews. We were many religious people. We're like Kainata, but that's not the way now. Hasibab shutavikarasi. Now what the Rebbe is saying here is unbelievable. It's so clear, it's so simple. And um, and this is what he's afraid. The Rebbe is saying that he's afraid that we're just we're ignoring this. And really the fact that he was talking about this at the beginning of the last century is is, is amazing. He said the simple and main reason is as follows. He said children nowadays consider themselves to be full grown adults long before the time. Long before the time has come. They consider themselves to be full grown. Can you imagine? This is not an estimation or a guess. Even he's saying the whole world, in the secular world as well, in the non-Jewish world, they also are realizing this. I'm not going to try to explain why did this happen. That kids look at themselves nowadays when they're young, when they're little kids, they really see themselves as being mature adults. I'm not going to explain how it is developed. That's not the point now. The Rebbe says this is this is the fact. This is a fact. This is the Mitzvahs. This this spirit of foolishness. Of our Bnei Hanor has passed over our our youth, our children. Lachshav is atzmo leish v'das rotsin that kids, the teenagers, they think of themselves as independent people with their with their own ideas, with their own mitzvahs, and, and and how to live their lives and so on. Ba'od ba'das mahupach v'rotsin boiser amar when in reality their ideas are all mahupach are upside down. Boys from my nose, they're like, uh, it's, it's a, a bitter, meaning it's just unripe, unripe, and bitter. They're unripe. Their ideas, mom is crazy. And already says in the Gemara, we spoke about this in Rafkuklat, because of the Mashiach Chutzpi Yazke. Before Mashiach comes, there's going to be unbelievable chutzpah. Gamzai's chutzpah. Isn't this a great chutzpah? Lachshav is atzma v'es daitul in emanim v'tulchim l'smachalayim. That you have kids that that feel that have the chutzpah to think that their opinions and their thoughts are absolutely clear and trustworthy and reliable. And they look at, I don't know, but they look at their parents and grandparents, they look at them like, Mamish, uh, they're just totally out of it. Totally out of it. They just, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Hadover Hazer, Kolkachis Lakayach. This has, this problem, this way of looking at things, this 
issue has so has has become so <coughs> has become so pronounced. So we're shocked. You see, even little little kids, tiny little kids, who have this confidence and sense of self and independence, this mistaken, foolish sense of of independence and confidence. Even tiny little kids that they think of themselves as, as adults. And that's before there was television, before they were they were watching all these these things uh, about how people are little, you know, the whole the whole meaning of television, all, all the shows, the whole entertainment industry. It's only what is it? It's only chutzpah. It's only that the fathers are stupid, and the mothers are idiots. All the children's books nowadays. I mean, I spoke about this many times. All the all the uh, the children's books. Not so much the mothers. The mothers they still present as being wise and compassionate. But you look at the children's books. The ones that still have fathers in them. A lot of them don't even have fathers. Think about the Walt Disney, the movies, the cartoons. 90% of the father either doesn't exist, has died, or is meaningless. Because that's not in vogue. Fatherhood is not, it's, of course, that's the, it's not politically correct now to make, to make the fathers important. Or to have any kind of an authority of a father. Instead, the, the, you look in the book, so maybe you have a, a mother that's harshif. You have a mother that's important. The men are all together because that's just that doesn't pass nowadays. That the men we're living in a new generation, and, and women are, women have to women have been mistreated, and therefore it's now time to get revenge. And we're going to leave all the men out of the little storybooks, where the men are total fools. Just look at look at the look at the books. The, the men never know what to do. They're always botching up, and it's always like the woman that comes to save the day. Oh, the bechlal no father. There's bechlal no father in the books. I've seen a lot of children's books. I'm not talking like you know Stam. I've really I've really gone through a lot of them. You know, the, and and, and I, it, to me, it's 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 uh, it's indicative of what's going on in So who's going to be? Who's the man over here? This little six-year-old, him and his mom. Because daddy either either daddy has disappeared. Or, or daddy is, uh, or daddy doesn't love you, doesn't care about you, or even if he does, he's just a mumbling fool. So therefore, it's mommy, mommy, my, maybe mommy's chashuv. Most, most often, not even her, but me. And if I don't make the, and if I don't make my own decisions, if I don't make the best of my life, I can't trust these people. What am I crazy? I'm gonna leave my life up to them. They're just these outdated idiots. That's how they look at their parents and grandparents. How they humor them. I don't take them seriously. I don't take the parents and grandparents seriously. You see by the Svardisha, the difference. How they look at their parents and grandparents. In America, the ones that are here for a long time, they're starting to change now. And you can see what happened to Ashkenazim a hundred years ago. But when you get the Svardisha, the old Svardisha families, how the children are with their parents, and therefore, call me the Nechayni, you see by the children, how they grow up by the Svardim. Unbelievable. And now it's sad for me to watch because now I'm watching what happened to Ashkenazim a long time ago. He's like to see what the, Amer- the Svadim have been in America right? this generation. The new generation of Svadim in America is starting. That's starting, that chutzpah that has his pardon. Now I remember when I started teaching 23, 24 years ago when I started to teach the Svadish kids. <clears throat> and many of them now also. A parent? A parent? A, grandf- a grandparent? 
was like gosh, <coughs> apparent. <coughs> That's the, that used to be the tzura of the entire Jewish people. You want to see what Jews looked like at the time of the Gemara? You go to Yemenite Jews, you'll see that's how Jews, that's how Jews acted at the time of the Gemara. I payment him. <coughs> the Derek Herods. The Adinas, the Edelkeit, the gentleness, the Derek Herods, the respect, the covet of older people. How to respect a parent, how to respect a Rebbe. Why does that stay longer Because... To large, there are many reasons for it, but to a large extent, they were they were isolated from the from the brazen, arrogant, secular, westernized world. They were they were in Muslim countries, and the, by the Muslims, they were also they also have tremendous derechers to their parents. The Muslims have tremendous derechers to their parents, but in the Ashkenazic world, it was that independence and the brazenness and the arrogance, <coughs> and there was there's been a tremendous tremendous influence. Unbelievable right, by Western by Western civilization, which to a large extent is slightly more untouched by that, or untouched by that, and therefore their surah, their way of their way of, of life was very much intact in terms of of how to see a parent and how to see a grandparent. You see, nowadays you'll have the kid. The kid has a degree from some Ivy League school, and the father's a greener. You know, the father, you know, the mother. My father, my father can't even read this book. I'm, uh, I can read this book. My father never wrote a term paper. I'm writing term papers. He didn't have that by his father. Because they didn't have that influence to a large extent. They weren't part of that, that, that whole culture. The kids look at themselves, the, the Ashkenazi kids, the, they look at themselves as being way ahead of their parents. Being more cultured, more civilized than their parents. His father should didn't have that. They lived a certain way. And it was a simple way, and it was a sweet way, and it was uncomplicated. They didn't have, they didn't have that... that, that uh, Infiltration of secular ideas and of secular and, and how secular education is more important than anything in the world. They didn't have that. No, you you helped with the, you helped in the house and uh, and you worked and you did what you could and so on. They didn't have that. So nowadays, with the so what happened in Ashkenazim is that the kids began to see their parents as being as being um, uneducated, uncivilized. But as far as that wasn't the case, they, they looked up to their parents all the time. They saw the parents in such a way. This is there's a, that, that's that's a major part of it. It's not the only thing, but it's a major part of the difference. And I've had I've had really hundreds, thousands of Swedish students, and and it's amazing how the children come out. It's amazing the the, the children, the edelkeit of the children, and the devotion to family, the devotion to family. When a, when a grandmother walks into a room, jumping up, and and mom is to go to kiss the hand and to and to and to bring a chair over to carry her over. When you walk into a room of Ashkenazim, you're like everybody's rolling their eyes. I'm exaggerating, of course, but the, you know what I mean. But this is childish. It's unbelievable. Ushtayim Rose, Nimshokas Mise. It's the Rebbe on page 10, the Rebbe says, Ushtayim Rose, Nimshokas Mise. That there are two evils, there are two problems that that this causes, this way of the arrogance of the young generation, this independence, this ruach of independence, and thinking that they're fully cooked and they know everything. They don't need their parents. Ha'achas. Shabishvil ze al kol madrich 
melamed umachanech, mabitanar kal aritz zar. The first thing is that the children look at the at the rebbe, at the teacher, at the older person as some foreign tyrant. Why? Because the kid has his own right. And then I come to school and he's telling me to do this. Well, I know, I know what's right. This, this six-year-old, seven-year-old thinks he knows what's right. And everything he ever saw on television is telling him that he knows more than the adults. And every little book that he read is telling him he knows more than everybody. And he comes to school and all of a sudden he comes into the classroom and this guy's telling him what to do. So he looks at the, he looks at the teacher as being the biggest mechutzah. You're telling me what to do. Do you know who I am? You're telling me? So right away, to begin with, the kid feels that he's in like in a place where he's where they're forcing him to be like this and telling him what to do. I can't believe they're telling me what to do. My parents tell me what to do. My rabbi tells me what to do. I can't believe it. How dare they tell me what to do? So they begin with, to begin with, they see the rabbi as being a tyrant. That's so why nowadays you see how every Rebbe has to be like, every Rebbe has to be. And, he's, and, and, and the Rebbe is going to explain why on some level we have to do this. But now the Rebbe has to come down to be like a kid himself. He has to use all these hachmas. He can't be, the Rebbe can't be a figure of authority. It's very hard for him to be. Maybe over time he can be, but mostly in the beginning he has to be like, he has to be like, you know, some guy from a, from a sitcom. The Rebbe has to be, you know, like some entertainer. So the kid says, hey, the kid thinks, you know, he's not trying to, he's not trying to rule over me. He's one of the guys. He's one of the guys. And the baby has to use all kinds of chachmas. All kinds of chachmas to be like one of the guys. And then maybe if he's like one of the guys, then the kids will listen to something that he has to say. But he has to be like one of the guys. He can't be like a father or a mother. Oh, no. The kid has enough of that at home. People telling him what to do. He's got to be like one of the guys. So the baby has to think of all kinds of kunsum. How to be like one of the guys. He can't be, he can't be above the child. Because then the child, the child, uh, it's true, the child, the child nowadays resents that. And he sees this as what, uh, somebody else is telling me what to do. It's been enough that my, it's been enough that my parents tell me I have to go to sleep. Now this guy's telling me I have to learn, and this lady's telling me I have to do my homework, and I, uh, it's, it's uh, all I, all I, this is all I have in my life. It's all the people tell me what to tell me, and they don't understand me, they don't know me, they don't feel what I'm feeling, and so on, all of this. So they see the teacher as some foreign tyrant who's coming to rule over him. By force. He's coming to take away from me my independence. He's taking away from me my own, my own little kingdom. is being usurped. I was a king. I'm a, I have Malchus. All of a sudden this teacher is coming to take away my kingdom. Telling me what to do. My, my, my own opinions and my own will. And a resistance, the Rebbe says, even a hatred begins to awaken within the child towards his teacher and towards his father. A hatred. A sinner. From the very beginning. Why should the kid pay any attention to what they have to say? The kids always say they don't understand me, they don't understand me. What do you think, you're so complicated? You're, you're, you're eight years old, you're, you're a total numbskull. Oh, no, 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 no. They don't understand me. I'm very deep. They don't understand me. The parents, the, the parents in the rebellion are, are, 
are just trying to force me into a certain thing, into a certain mold. And therefore, why should I listen to them? These are dictators, these are tyrants. And nowadays, every parent has to be worried. You know, if you ask your kid to brush your teeth, maybe, you know, maybe he's going to go off the dara. So you have to come, you have to say, the mechilas in all due respect, your majesty, you talk to a seven-year-old, in all due respect, if, if you don't mind, it's only because I love you, it's only because I love you, and I'm worried that you know when you that when you'll you know you'll be 50, you'll have teeth like mine. And I love you so much. It's only because I love you. I would never tell you to, to do this terrible thing if I didn't love you. And if it's if it causes you to feel very upset, we'll, we'll go to see Doctor uh, Doctor So and So on Monday. But I'm asking you, I'm asking you, could you brush your teeth? <laughs> could you? And, and you don't know how much I would appreciate it. And, I, and look, and look, sweetheart, you open up your coat, look, I have all these different things for you if you brush your teeth. I look how many things I got for you if you brush your teeth. And then, and then next week you'll be able to stay up for the Super Bowl and to watch the other games and so if you do this if it's if you see it as something which is good in your eyes and, and you feel comfortable with that no no <coughs> I mean it's of course you know I'm, uh, but, but the, the whole mahalach is like otherwise I'm afraid I'm afraid and you'll go to something and and, uh, and then like they see the kids not you know the kids talking God forbid going off the door and then you go to something and the person will say let me ask you something did you tell your kid to brush his teeth? aha uh-huh. there it is <laughs> you should have spoken to me before that <laughs> so the children they, they, they look at they look at the parents they look at the teachers as being mamish like uh, dictators from the very beginning so why should they listen to these people? Why should they absorb anything that they have to say? All the kids are thinking about is how do I get rid of this? Not that they want anything to happen, God forbid, but how do I like, you know, get off my case? Every kid, you know, I had a doubt for every kid who my parents are on my case. And what does that mean? I asked, what do you mean your parents are what does that mean that your parents are on your case? Usually it means that, that, that you know, like they don't want me, they don't want me driving at three in the morning, you know, with my friends. So all they want is a spot to mayhem. I want to get my parents to leave me alone and my rebbe to stop bugging me. The Lord says to me, you day, I'm just I should be parted from them. So that's one problem. That's one problem we have nowadays as a result of this spirit of independence. Now Shniya the second. This could be even worse than the first thing. In the old days, when the personality of the child didn't didn't uh, didn't push itself out, didn't seek to emerge, and when the child was still in his unripened state. Therefore, in the old days, the child saw himself and he accepted himself as being a child and being unripened. And therefore, he didn't trust his own emotions. 
Well, you, could you imagine in, in, in the days of our great-grandparents, like some 10-year-old calling up a little, a little 9-year-old girl and saying, you know, I love you. Could you imagine? It's crazy. This is Maisa Mechalion now. They have boyfriends, girlfriends. Maisa Mechalion. What are you playing? You're, they're playing adults. They're making believe that they're adults. In other words, they're talking about emotions, loving a person in such a way. That's an emotion. That's a very, very mature thing. That's a very complicated emotion. You know that all the adults are having a problem with, are having problems with it. So you have this little kid. Little kid, you know, he's talking about ideas and feelings that in the old days a kid would never dream of thinking of these kind of things. It's not I'm not holding by that. So the Rebbe says that <coughs> So the emotions and the emotional needs didn't, didn't were not there before the right time. When you know, when you're 18, 20 years old, then you begin to feel that kind of a need and, and, and so on. But not not as a child. It used to be that a child was like, it says in the mission, was like a, a, a clean slate, a blank piece of paper. The nefesh tahorah, and he was a pure soul. The Kabbalah had surahs v'sadibur mashayushul of Marv Rabosu prepared to receive the inscriptions and the writings of a Rebbe, the parent. Not filled with his own thoughts and ideas as a seven-year-old kid. But he was a blank piece of paper ready to be written upon by parents and teachers. They used to talk and feed the children like an ox with tire and, and <clears throat> they used to feed them like a behemoth, meaning good stuff. Not only with words. They used to pour Yiddishkeit into their hearts, into their souls. And the natural, normal way, the emotions of the child and his own thoughts would slowly, slowly begin to blossom and open up. But it was with years and years of parents and rebellion pouring in the shamas into the kid on those blank pieces of paper on their souls. And most By the time, by the time their emotions were developing, they were already young people who were who were like soil that was fertile with richness of Torah. So when it came time to them, to, when it came time to talk about love or, or, or deeper emotions, these were people that had already gone through mesechtas, had gone through tons of Torah and tefillah and ruchnias. Not like now. But there's mamish, they all have them all kinds of craziness and narishkeit, and then, what, to talk about love and emotion, and these are things that are rolling around with them from the time that they were little kids. But they don't have the kalim at all to deal with any of these things. They don't have the kalim to deal with any of these, of, of these thoughts and feelings. And they were uh, and fattened with the, with the holy oil of Torah. For all you hain nitzani hagashosov v'shifosov. And then, in that situation, he had a kid that for years and years, that blank piece of paper was filled with more Yiddishkeit, more Yerashamai, more Torah, more good things from parents and teachers. And now the, the emotions of a young person are beginning to blossom. And he's beginning to have aspirations. 
but these are not Torah aspirations. These are these are these are dreams and hopes and emotions that are that are that are rich with Torah, that are rich with Yerushalayim. And therefore, now the emotions that are blossoming inside of him add to his greatness. This is something which comes to make to make him even to a greater and more beautiful Jew. In addition to all the Torah that his parents and his rebellion poured into him, now what? Uh, now it's time for him to move on to the next stage of life and to be a, to be a father, to be a, to be a husband, and so on. He grew up in the holiness of all that Torah. Let's just finish this paragraph. That's not how it is now, generation of Doreen. That the personality and the feeling of self in the child is, is, is developing is developing in such long before its time. Therefore, the kid's longings, his aspirations, they also Ashkafosov. Have a conversation with some 13-year-old girl. What are, the, what, are the, what are their dreams? What are their hopes? The average girl. It's unbelievable. The Ashkafis. So their, their emotions, their aspirations, and their opinions are being formed long, long when they're still totally unripe and they have poisonous things inside of them. And the kid begins to investigate, to think about everything in his life. Even things that are forbidden to him. Like, like he's a grown man. <laughs> he has all kinds of emotions and excitements, all kinds of feelings that are uncooked, unripe. He doesn't have the talent to deal with these things. Are you shocked? Are you surprised? That from this type of a child will come out all types of Ashkafas that are possible that are, that are totally off and poisonous and rules. Is there any surprise? Are you shocked? This is the of These are the two main the two main roles that come out from this sense of independence that the youth have nowadays. Next week in Mitzvah Shem, the Rebbe is going to explain how to, how to penetrate into the soul and how we need to, to penetrate into the soul of the youth nowadays. And once we understand how they're thinking, how they're feeling, then we're going to learn how to deal with them. And then afterwards, the Rebbe is going to begin to talk to the children. The next section uses his talk with the kids. And then he's going to start to go through step by step how to make our children and ourselves into, into real Hasidic Shayyidin. I don't mean with a beard and pace and a long coat. I mean Hasidus in the void of the Baal Shem Tevah not a way of serving Hashem with love and with fear. Okay.